0: Part of WP Media, WPmedia.com. Spoiler alert, when this podcast talks about the books of his dark materials, it does so in the context of the most recent book. And when it talks about the television show on the BBC and HBO, it does so in the context of the most recent episode. You've been warned. The Dust. And welcome to another edition of The Dust. My name is Matt Murdock, and this time around we're covering the music of Mr. Lorne Balf for season one, episode six, The Demon Cages of His Dark Materials. Thanks for joining me. Just want to remind you that Mattsaudioblog.com, that's M-A-T-T-S-Audioblog.com, is your one-stop shop for all things regarding this podcast. You can find all the back episodes of this podcast, all the back episodes of my Game of Thrones podcast. Uh, links to other podcasts that I've done in the past. You can find all of that at mattsaudioblog.com, including all important app links for whatever podcast app you're using to listen to this podcast. I thank you. If you could take the time to leave me a written review in whatever app that you're using, wherever you get your podcasts, that would help me a great deal to stay more noticeable among the other great his dark material podcasts that are out there. I do feel like we have something unique to offer in the fact that we do cover the music in this particular podcast. But if you have left a review and somehow I missed it and I haven't thanked you in any of our recent shows, please send me a tweet at the Dust Podcast or send an email to dustpodcastgmail.com and tell me where I can find your review so that I can thank you. I really appreciate you all doing that. It helps so much. It helps us with the algorithms that these things set up. Just We want to hear as many thoughts from as many different people as possible. And the only way we can do that is if more people are listening. We don't do anything for money here. We don't have Patreon pages. We don't do any of that stuff. We're doing this for the love of this show. But we want to reach out to fans who also love the show. We want to hear from you. And if you want to send any feedback regarding any episode, you can do so at any time. Once again, at the Dust Podcast on Twitter or dustpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can use the contact form at mattsaudioblog.com. Anytime you want to submit something about the show itself, about our podcast, whatever. We would love to hear your thoughts. But if you're wanting something to be included in the next weekly review podcast... For an, when a new episode airs, then you need to get it to us by 5 p.m. Pacific U.S. time on Tuesdays after a new episode airs here in the U.S. or on Sunday nights in the U.K. Speaking of feedback, I didn't want to wait on these two great tweets that we got in response to our story talk about Season 1, Episode 6, The Demon Cages, written by Jack Thorne and directed by Euros Lynn. We did get two tweets regarding some of the things that we said uh, or in response. So uh, this first one comes from at H.O. Grady 10. Thank you so much for submitting a tweet to us. Says, just listening now and you're talking about the alarms going off. I read this totally differently than you did. I thought the alarms were tripped by the machinery each time they had severed a child and the scientists were all irritated by having to go through the drill for no reason. That may very well be the case. After hearing that and thinking about it, uh, I had just assumed that they was doing it on purpose themselves, but it may just be the machinery or something else setting it off every time that happens. Uh, And there was that one case where the two doctors were in a room together and they seemed surprised by the drill. And I guess I had forgotten that scene. So great thoughts there at Ho Grady 10 I really appreciate that. And our friend at One Dart Lou also submitted some stuff in regards to a thought that we had had in the BR section regarding this coming week's episode because of the scheduling in the UK. We thought maybe that that might mean something for how dark or graphic or whatever the episode might be, but we have reassurances from at One Dart Lou who says, "Great podcast again." guys. As someone from the UK, I can reveal that next episode is on at 9 p.m. on the BBC because of the Sports Personality of the Year Awards. It's on the same time every year. It's a Christmas tradition. There you go. There's the answer that Holly and I were looking for. Thank you so much at One Dart Lou. With that said, let's just get right into the music because we've got a great mixing of themes. I think a episode-specific motive, perhaps. Perhaps a episode specific piece of music as well on top of the motive Um, great versions of everything that we've talked about this season so far oh and i also have one correction regarding some musical stuff to offer as well for now i'll find an opportunity soon enough And that scene, of course, is from when Thomas and not Thomas are watching the house and deciding when they're going to break in. And this is where I want to offer my correction. If you remember, I talked about in the Lost Boy episode about how Will's theme was accompanied by these other chords that seem strange that I kind of associated with his mom. You heard them in this clip as well. These chords right here. Now with a little bit more data, I think we can associate these chords actually more with Lord Boreal's henchman watching over the mother as opposed to the mother herself. I do feel like that some of it was used for the mother, but it was all about her suspicions about being watched. And so it still makes sense that it would be applied Since we saw it alone with just these two in this particular scene, it makes sense to now shift those strange feeling chords to those two guys and and what's being happened. Uh, We'll call it a surveillance motive or something like that. I don't know exactly what to call it, but there you go. Moving on, let's talk about how the main theme was used in this episode in some very interesting ways, totally different from what we'd heard the main theme used before. We'd heard the main theme used mostly with like the alethiometer or with Lyra or things like that. This time around, it was all about those tragic children. Uh, it was just awful to see those kids the way they were. And Mr. Balf used the main theme in a way that reflected that reflected our sadness, reflected our horror, reflected, everything that was bad about what was going on at Ballwanger and tragic about what was going on at Ballwanger and the ways that they were used were very, very different than what we'd heard before. As you know, when I talk about music, I like to talk about a few things. I like to talk about the shape of the melody. I like to talk about how the harmony is applied. I like to talk about uh, the rhythm of a piece Um, that includes tempo And I like to talk about the timbres that are used, the instruments that are used to play these things. And one thing that was consistent about the use of the main theme in this particular episode was the tempo. Everything was slowed down. We're used to it at the beginning of the episode with it all being all sped up and, you know, get us excited for the episode, right? But here it was used as an emotional reflection. And on top of that, different harmonies were used than what we're used to. They created an extra feeling of loss and tragedy and even horror in some respects. Uh, Just to remind you, as if you don't know, because we all hear the beginning of the episode, right? But here's the main melody, the A section of the main melody anyway. Here's that. But now I'm going to play you this clip where Lyra and Roger are finding the demon cages and seeing the effect on the demons themselves. And the temple will be much slower. The harmony is much more haunting. I don't think I want to go into how that's done so much as I just want you to hear the difference between the harmony that we're used to and the harmony that we get. And that's all altered, but it's still recognizable. He said demons without humans. David. Now, in the next clip, when the Egyptians are embracing the children, it was one of the most emotional moments of the episode for me. Uh, The first time the melody is played and and the harmony is fairly familiar. It's not unlike what we just heard. It's pretty close to that. And so we do feel the sadness and everything. Uh, It is in a different key. So here's where you'll hear the melody in the next clip. And as I said, we do get a harmony that we can kind of deal with. It's very sad. It's a little horrific. Um, The sad nature comes more from the fact that a pedal tone is held and all of the minor harmony is applied. Um, No real surprises in any way with that. It just feels really sad. A pedal point means that a single bass note is held and maybe different chords will change over the top of it. And that's what happens here like this. But the phrase is actually played twice in the clip that we're about to hear. And the second phrasing of the melody has a descending bass line accompanying it, something that just continues to sink down. It makes our feelings go down with it. Uh, that gets us to an entirely different place emotionally. And there's even some chords in it that just seem like they don't fit they stick out they make things feel unresolved and i'm not going to play the entire descending bass line i'm just going to play the two chords that make the difference in the way you feel it has that feeling of what's going to happen with these kids right and uh how are these Egyptians going to embrace them it's one of those it's one of those moments where it's so sad and the harmony helps to get us back to the sad uh after the resolution of this chord when this chord holds we're kind of like oh and then once the chord uh resolves to home key again then you know we're, we're sad for the kids And keep all of that in mind when we listen to this next clip, again, as Roger brings the demonless children out and the Egyptians all embrace them. So those are two great examples of how the A section of the theme was used in this episode. But it wasn't just the A section that was used. The part that we tend to hum and the parts that you've just heard, those are the A sections. They do get played more often, but there is also a B section too. Just go back to my first analyzation of the main theme in our Lyra's Jordan review And you'll see I analyze the A section as kind of like a mission part and the B section as more the adventure part. That B section goes through a few different key centers of pitch before it gets back to the A section when we hear the main credits. And to me, that represents the different places that Lyra will see. And in the case of using the B theme here, she's riding a balloon for the first time. And as I said... We always hear the B section in the credits, but just to remind you what it sounds like, here it is. Now, in the clip that I'm going to play you, when Lyra gets into the balloon and they're taking off, you're going to hear that that B section is played a little bit slower, just like the A section versions have been slower throughout this episode. But this is where we get more into Mr. Balfe combining themes as well in order to help tell the story. Because not only do we get the B section of the main theme representing her adventure, but we also get the scholastic sanctuary theme near the end of this clip that you're going to hear. This theme right here. Now, why are we getting that? Well, most of the time, we've often heard this theme when Lyra is having fun or exploring on her own. The first time we heard it was with Roger in the race at Jordan College. We also heard it when she was running free on the boat while approaching Trollison. And we even heard it once when she was joking around with Lee Scoresby as the Egyptians were setting off north from Trollison. Here again, she's having fun, right? And she's exploring too. Her first balloon ride. So, listen for the main B theme section at first, and then how it transitions into the Scholastic Sanctuary theme as a showing of adventure and fun. Balloon Driver. Let's go! love that but wait a second did you catch the other time that the schoolastic sanctuary theme was used earlier in the episode than this it's not exactly in a place you'd expect because well let's face it there's nothing fun about what's happening during the scene but it's when lyra has been rendered unconscious and is being carried to the intercision chamber now why would it be there well it serves kind of a different purpose It's not really a fun purpose but the way the melody is accompanied by the differing harmonies it kind of carries the opposite effect and remember that these scientists are actually working on these children with a special kind of scholastic sanctuary of their own. They're doing these experiments with the approval of the magisterium so it gives a dark twist on something that we thought of as light for the most part. Here again Tambers are key the sounds of the instrument in a higher register than this you're going to hear the melody again this but it's the timbre it's this very high flute woodwindy kind of sound and the truth of the matter is is that it sounds like it's very far away in the mix and that helps make it chilling That and the soundscape of of harmony that's supporting it underneath, almost overtaking it in a way. And it emphasizes how overwhelmed we are by what might happen to Lyra. It gives us fear that, well, she may never have fun again. So let's listen to that. Pick her up. So, Lyra is definitely in danger there. But the moment Mrs. Coulter showed up earlier in the episode, we got that musical narrative of her being a threat. We got what I like to call the the danger motive. And a motive is just a small figure that can be used in conjunction with other melodies or to combine to create their own thing. We first heard this motive when Lord Azriel and Stelmaria had to get off the mountain in the first episode. And we also heard it when Lyra was finding out who Mrs. Coulter was in her study, seeing all the papers about the general oblation board, the plans for this very Bolvenger station that she's in now. Uh, that was all while Mrs. Coulter was returning to the apartment after having burned all of these children's letters. And at that time, it was coupled with the Mrs. Coulter theme, chords. But to refresh your memory, we have heard just the motif itself underneath Azrael like this. And we're going to hear that in this next clip. But yet again, Mr. Balf slows the tempo down. That way it gets more weight. It gets less franticness. Uh, He also does what we call a variation on this motif. Because the first phrase is the notes that we know, but the second phrase is actually this. And actually, it's the same thing except there's one note difference, this note. But the regular phrase and the variation phrase are played back to back, and it almost makes it like a call and response kind of feeling for us. The phrase we know is first, and it's the call, the variation being the response. And listen as that phrase is used for Mrs. Coulter's entrance into Balvenger. You've been making advances? Mm-hmm. Yes. Since you were last here, five have survived, mostly due to the new separator. It's much more sophisticated than the previous model, and so has a much better survival rate. Now the patient can be conscious during treatment, and they remain conscious after. Quite something. So there's Mrs. Coulter. And you know that when she's around, we're going to get her theme in some capacity, right? That melody fragment, for one. And I love how just that little bit of melody fragment can be done in so many different ways. In this clip, it'll be done slow and legato. Then somewhere in the middle of it, it'll be staccato and separated And oftentimes they change timbres between like strings and percussive kind of instruments. And in the next clip, we're going to hear all of that. And of course, the chords that I talked about earlier go along with it as well. I know this is one of those themes that I've talked about a lot, but since we hear it so much, it feels like we need to keep looking at the differences and the way they're treated and what have you. This time it's pretty well standard, but all of it works together, the the melody, the chords. It gives Mrs. Coulter this complexity that her character really deserves. It's made for her. And when we hear this clip, where Lyra is hiding under the bed, you'll know what I mean about how different, different parts can make you feel. What did I miss? I should mention that actually Lyra's theme was present right before that clip started too, and she was pleading to Annie for help to hide. So that's yet another example of one theme leading into another, like we saw with the B section of the main theme and the Scholastic Sanctuary theme earlier. It actually would have made the clip already too long. (laughs) It's an already too long clip as it is. Uh, And we've covered Lyra's theme a lot, so I left that part out. But again, Mrs. Coulter's theme can be divided into two different things, that melody fragment and the chords, and either of them can be utilized differently. In this next section, we're going to see how Mr. Balf can utilize that. He can take either part and then apply something different to each part individually while still representing Mrs. Coulter. And that brings me to the main action motive for this episode. Remember again that a motif is not the same thing as a full theme. Sometimes motifs make up a theme. But just think of them like little musical fragments that can be applied to multiple themes or situations. And they can actually work on their own by themselves too. They're one of the most versatile tools, in my opinion, that a film composer has at his disposal. And all through the action of this episode... From the time Lyra escapes Mrs. Coulter, onward, we can hear this action motive that I'm talking about being used in all different kinds of ways. Talking about this motive right here. You're going to hear that little motive at different tempos throughout the action. You're going to hear it in conjunction with different themes that we already know. All throughout the rest of the episode you can hear that motive change to different keys on its own it creates a sense of harmony in that way and it can make us feel like things are building or falling because of that these are the kinds of things that are the versatility of a motive and actually since the last clip we had mrs coulter's theme let's re-examine those chords one more time And then just listen to how that motive that I played earlier and these chords that I just played, how they all fit together for this particular clip. Love that. And as I said, this motive is used a lot in this episode. I actually think it may have been specifically made for just this episode or this sequence, but I'm going to need a larger body of work through the rest of the season just to be sure. I'm not going to say it's a one-off just yet. One thing is for sure. We finally did get a confirmation of Yorick Burninson's theme this episode. Since we didn't get it in The Lost Boy, I was kind of worried that it might have only been for Yorick and Trollison kind of just for that episode but then we did get it again when he started helping Lyra out and of course we got that action motive working with it as it happened but just to review for Yorick's theme here these are the chords to listen for during this next clip There's more to it. There's the AHA Giacchino moment, as I call it, Uh, the AHA Giacchino progression. It comes from my first realizing that it was something that he used for the the Star Trek stuff, and uh, it doesn't matter. It's just a difference of a tritone away. Both of these chords function in the same manner. They both, what we call, tonicize the key. Meaning that they make the key feel like the key. But when you do them in sequence, because of their distance apart, that uh, it's again, it's symmetrical. And so it makes us feel a little uncomfortable. And it just kind of makes us go, aha. So here's that. So all of that is part of Yorick's theme. And if you want a more in depth explanation of everything about Yorick's theme, go back to our episode four reviews and, and find it. The thing that I find best about hearing York's theme is the fact that it is woven so beautifully on top of our action motive. This time around, in this clip, you're going to hear the tempo has changed. It'll still be the same motive, but it'll be much faster. And then the motive kind of takes over on its own. And... There's a really neat trick that composers do. They'll just slide things down chromatically a little bit, down a half step or whatever, to give you a feeling of extra tension building. Or sometimes they'll raise them up. But chromaticism is something that composers use in order to create tension. And in this case, Mr. Balfe took that motive and he just kept sinking it down by half steps in key so that uh, we would feel like things are getting worse, like we're getting stuck in quicksand like this. Okay, I know that was a lot to listen to before we got to the next clip, but try to remember Yorick's theme there and this motive and how they work together. This starts basically when Yorick saves Lyra for the first time. And as a bonus, you're even going to get those Mrs. Coulter chords again at the end uh, when the shot changes to her going through the vent. Come on, guys. We aren't here to hurt you. You're safe. Just a couple more clips to go, but I think Lee Scoresby fans would be extremely upset with me if I didn't point out part of his theme being played in this week's episode, too. We heard it when Lee had discovered that something, a cliff gassed, was on the balloon, and he had grabbed his gun and poked his head out to look to see. Not much of the theme in the episode, but one thing that I did love was the instrumentation that was used, Because normally we hear that lick done with the guitar, right? Not this time. You'll hear it done with other instruments. Here's the clip. Oh there you go Lee Scoresby fans Mr. Balf didn't forget you this episode Finally I'm going to turn to something that I found very moving even though it may be just a one-off for this episode it was the scoring under Roger's speech to the demonless children when he was trying to get them to leave the room the speech itself was inspiring enough I feel like but the scoring made it even more powerful for me first of all Let's look at this motive that starts the piece, this part right here. Now to me, this motive or fragment of music says a whole lot. As I told you earlier, when I talk about good scoring, I often look at melodic shape, harmony, rhythm or tempo, and timbre. So let's talk about three of those things just with this little motive. First of all, shape. What's happening here with these first three notes, they are separated by the same intervals. That makes them feel a little bit dissonant or uncomfortable to our ears. Not because they're not within the key of the piece. Um, In that case, they're not so symmetrical. But in the distance between the first and the third note, the second note is right smack in the middle and it creates a symmetry on either side. And for some reason, we humans are not totally comfortable with symmetrical things when it comes to harmony or even melodic shape. So even though the notes are playing in succession, we still feel that symmetrical connection between the notes and feel a little bit uncomfortable. And that leads us to another point about the shape. The figure itself repeats over and over and over again, and That distance, actually, from the last note of the figure to restarting at the first note is the same distance that starts off the shape back up. So we get this feeling that there's a cycle that we can't break out of. Not only that, but it is that kind of symmetrical cycle again, and that's why we feel uncomfortable by it. But because it creates that looping shape for us, To me, it really represents the children well. It represents their demons having been stripped away and they're caught kind of like in this endless cycle of recovery. And they're going to be without their demons forever. And uh, that makes that repetitive cycle even that much more in tune with how the shape makes us feel. But also that brings us to rhythm the cycling of the count of those notes gives us this repetitive feeling as well. It kind of goes against what we're used to and because of that, it gives us this feeling that the children might not be able to break out of it. And finally, just on that motive alone, we also have to consider the timbre, the instrument that's playing and more so the way that it's being played because bowing techniques that can be used for string instruments like this, a professional player can actually change the overtone with different ways that they bow the instrument and we might hear more overtones or harmonics in one note than another or we might hear less or we might hear different sets and that's actually a kind of asymmetry in itself and what that does is as we humans really often desire asymmetry whether we believe it or not we have the instrument speaking to us on a more emotional level on a more resonant level because of the asymmetry of the harmonic series of the timbre and because of that we feel more human connection to those children being stuck in that loop so their shape and rhythm and timbre they're all covered what about the harmony well when roger starts his speech to the kids after they he starts to walk out and then none of them follow him the harmony really kicks in with chords like this. Now, what does the harmony tell us? Well, the piece is minor, so it feels sad, or without much hope in it. Except for that last chord, because that chord is major, usually we have a minor chord in that position. We normally have, in a traditional sense of harmony, we have this chord. And actually, that chord is used in the course of the piece, which makes it even more sad. But those times where the major is either directly played or maybe just implied just through the overtone series, this chord, that's what gives Roger's speech an all important aspect behind it in the psychological sense of our brains. The majors make us feel more at ease. And so we get hope. The minors tend to make us feel deflated, scared or sad. And really both situations apply to these children and Roger trying to get them to find themselves a little bit. So I know that was a lot to talk about, but listen for all of these things that we've talked about for the last few minutes here With this final clip of Roger giving his speech to the kids. And I'll be back with some closing thoughts here in just a moment. I need you all to come with me. We're getting out of here. Why aren't you coming? Just as a final note, as an addendum to that production, I do want to let you all know that there were some very nice versions of the Egyptian theme in this week's episode as well, which we've talked about before, and some very nice versions of Lyra's theme as well. Um, The Egyptian theme I especially love because it had this great little transitional piece in it at the end, which went to Lyra being in the balloon. Um, That was a really nice harmonic transitioning kind of like changing stages it was wonderful but we've talked an awful lot about Lyra's theme and the gypsum theme this season so I figure you probably recognized those on your own and didn't need my help with that at any rate that's it I hope you enjoyed this podcast please remember mattsaudioblog.com m-a-t-t-s audioblog.com that's your one-stop shop for all things this podcast and any podcast that I do really you can find everything there contact information You can find podcast app links. Please leave me a written review if you can on whatever podcast app that you're using. I really appreciate that. Remember, your feedback is always welcome at any time. Just as I demonstrated here, I pulled up a couple of tweets that were just brought uh, the morning that I recorded this. I try to keep up with the feedback as much as I can. And it is certainly valued when you can give it to us. We will talk to you next time when the new episode of His Dark Materials comes out. Talk to you then. Tweet at the Dust Podcast, email dustpodcasts at gmail.com, and find all info at mattsaudioblog.com. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Part of Double P Media. DoublePmedia.com Media.